You are listening to a podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate. Continues. And it may be interesting this morning because even though some of us are participants, we're not entirely sure what the program is. So with Baguette Babette's guidance and uh, the reading this morning was uh, specially chosen a few minutes ago (laughs) from a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul. Some of you may have heard it before. Who knows? This is written by Susan White. My husband Daniel and I travel frequently. When we first got our dog, Buddha Two. We call him Budhi. We were concerned that he would be lonely or perhaps feel that we'd abandoned him when we left it at home during our trips away. When we left, we always had someone stay in our house and look after Budhi. So we knew he was well taken care of, but we still felt guilty. I even used to leave my husband's t-shirt for Booty to sleep with and made sure he got extra goodies each day we were gone. Still, I used to wonder what he made of the whole thing. Did he miss his lovings, his rub-a-dubs, his billy pots, pats, sleeping by our bed, taking walks with us? And who was going to play ball with him while we were away? Was our absence too traumatic for him? I supposed I would never know. But then one night, when we called home, Booty made it quite clear what he missed the most when we were gone. We reached our house sitter and had her put us on the speakerphone so that we could talk to Booty. He immediately started barking and howling when he heard our voices, We were jabbering at Budai like a pair of fools when we noticed we couldn't hear him anymore. Barbara told us he had run out of the room. What was he doing? I wondered uneasily. Maybe it hadn't been such a good idea to call home. Perhaps Booty was confused and was searching the house for us. When he couldn't find us, would he become upset? and try to get outside to continue his search? What if he tried to jump through a window? My imagination ran away with me, and I couldn't stop it. I thought, poor baby, he misses us so much. Hearing our voices has just made it worse. I urged Barbara to go and find him. My husband and I decided to try to coax him back into the room by continuing to talk to him. Barbara ran after him to see what was going on. 
and almost tripped over him as he raced back into the room holding something in his mouth. He bounded to the phone where we were still spouting endearments in a highly embarrassing manner. We heard Barbara's laughing in the background and then she picked up the phone and told us that Budhai had approached the phone, had stood for a moment, head cocked, then he carefully put out his front paws on the desk and set down the object in his mouth. It was his favorite ball. He put it directly on top of the speakerphone and stepped back, waiting for us to throw it. <laughs> Offered his wisdom for the journey. We didn't do guided, granted, growing this morning because we didn't have anything prepared, but I think that there's something I need to add to this, and that is when we talk about being grounded, we talk about our interconnectedness. And what's happening here this morning is an absolutely wonderful example of interconnectedness. We came in here this morning and we didn't have a guest speaker and we weren't quite sure what the readings were and we didn't know who was going to do the conducting. We didn't know if we had music for today and who was it. And Babette, thank you because she took the reins and she has orchestrated a service where where we have where we have individuals who are doing their parts. And this next piece is uh, I'll, I'll do the same thing to Peter who is sitting in the back. Don has gone and found some readings for us this morning. Babette has worked with Dale to make sure that we have lovely music this morning. Peter has found a TED Talk for us this morning that I think will be interesting and intriguing. So uh, I just wanted to kind of say that that's our, our guided, grounded, growing for this morning and it's that interconnectedness that we all here have at the church. I'm going to turn things over to Peter now. He has a TED Talk that talks about someone's journey from faith to humanism. So we'll kind of close with that after we've seen the TED Talk. Something happened while I was studying in the seminary and training to be a priest. I came in contact with a different idea of life. An idea of life that contradicted the main teachings of religion, humanism. Some of you may be wondering what on earth is humanism? Humanism is a way of thinking and living that emphasizes the agency of human beings. Humanism stresses the fact that we human beings are capable of changing the world. That we have the power to make a difference in our lives, both individually and collectively, without recourse to some outside force. It may interest you to know that the best humanist lessons I learned 
was not from reading philosophy books, but from poring over humanist manifestos and declarations. No, not at all. The best humanist lesson I learned was from the life of my own parents. My parents come from a poor family background in Mbise in southeastern Nigeria. They had limited opportunities. But my parents did not allow the circumstances of their birth and upbringing to determine their ambition and dreams for themselves and for their children. My father worked part-time, trained as a teacher, and rose to become a headmaster at a local primary school. While my mother dropped out of school quite early because her mother, my grandmother, could not afford her education. As a parent, my mother worked very hard, combining farming, petty trading, and taking care of my siblings and me. By the time I was born, that was shortly after the Nigerian Civil War. Life was very difficult, a struggle day by day. My family was living in a hut with the eye of a child. I can still see water dripping from the thatch roof of our house when it rained. My father reared goods to supplement the family income. And part of my duty after school hours or during vacation was to feed these ghosts. There, were, there, were, there was no electricity, no pipe with water. We tried to fetch water from the nearby streams. That was an easy work in the wet season, but kilometers when it was hot and dry. Through hard work and perseverance, my parents were able to erect a block apartment and send my siblings and me to school. They made it possible for us to enjoy a standard of living which they never did and to attain educational levels which they only imagined when they were growing up. My parents' life, their story, is my best lesson in humanism. So as a humanist, I believe that human beings are challengers, not prisoners of faith. Our destinies are in our hands, not predetermined. And it's left for us to shape our lives and destinies to reflect our best hopes and aspirations. I believe that human beings have the power to turn situations of poverty into those of wealth and prosperity. We have the capacity to alleviate suffering, extend life, prevent diseases, uh, cure debilitating ailments, reduce infant mortality, and preserve our planet. But we cannot accomplish all these goals by wishful thinking with our eyes closed, or by anxious speculation, or by expecting salvation from empty sky. In contrast, millions of Africans imagine that their religious faith will help their dream come true and they spend so much time praying for miracles and for divine intervention in their lives. In 2009, a Gallup survey in 114 countries revealed that religiosity was highest in the world's poorest nations. In fact, six of the ten countries where 95% of the population said that religion was an important part of their daily lives were African. In some cases, religion drives many Africans to extraordinary length, to attack other human beings, to commit ritual killing, targeting those uh, living with albinism, those with hunchback, and as I recently learned, those with bald heads. In Africa, superstition is widespread, with so many people believing in witchcraft, something that has no basis in reason or in science. 
Yet, alleged witches, usually women, children, and elderly persons, are still routinely attacked, banished, and killed. And I have made it part of my life's mission to end witchcraft accusation, witch persecution in Africa. So, as a humanist, I believe in a proactive approach to life. The changes that we want cannot be achieved only by dreaming, but require doing as well. The challenges that we face cannot go away if we recall and retreat into ourselves, wishing and imagining that those problems will somehow magically disappear. The good life that we desire will not fall like manna from heaven. My parents did not erect a block apartment by wishing and dreaming. They worked hard. They failed. They tried again. They toyed with rolled up sleeves. With their hands deep in debt, they plowed ahead, growing their dreams into reality. So as a humanist, I believe we must be adventurous and even daring. The path of success is paved with risk and uncertainties. We, ha we have to muster the will and courage to do what people have never done, to think what people have never thought, envisage what people have never imagined, go to places human beings have not been to, and succeed where people have tried but failed. We must be ready to explore new frontiers of knowledge and understanding and attempt doing not just what is possible, but also what is seemingly impossible. But I realize that at the end of the day, our efforts do not always yield our desires. We fail, we suffer disappointments and setbacks. Some problems such as wars and conflicts, poverty and diseases, and other natural and human-made disasters seem as if they may never go away. Solutions to old problems have led to new dangers, New cures to diseases have resulted in new health risk. But the fact that these problems persist and that solutions sometimes create their own problems is not a reason for us to give up or to resign. It's not a reason for us to think that our efforts have no consequence. In fact, there is fulfillment in striving and trying to provide answers and solutions to the problem humanity faces even when the likely outcome is failure. So, as a humanist, I believe we must not despair for humanity, even in the face of overwhelming difficulties and in the bleakest of circumstances. Human beings are creative beings. We have the power to generate new ideas, new solutions, and new ideas, new ideas, new solutions, and new cures. So, why despair when the unexpected knocks on the horizon? It is in our nature to create anew, to be inventive and innovative. So why language in idle expectation of a savior from above? So it is time for us Africans to take our destiny in our hands and realize we have agency in the scheme of life. We need to put an end to this game of blame that has prevented us from taking full responsibility for our own lives. For too long, we have been prisoners of our past. We have allowed despair and pessimism to drain us, drain our energies, limit our imaginations, and dim our vision for a better and brighter future. We have let this continent flounder while passing the bulk like a frisbee. We've blamed slavery, colonialism, and the new colonialism for the wars we experienced, including our own self-inflicted wounds. We have conducted ourselves in ways that seem as if Africa is damned and doomed, and that all these experiences in history have irreversibly, irreparably foreclosed the chances and possibility for Africa to emerge, thrive, and, and, and flourish. We must realize that there is no part of the world 
that has not been colonized or enslaved in the past. And if other parts of the world have moved on, why can't we now? So as a humanist, I believe that the past is gone. We cannot change it. We cannot alter it. But the future beckons us on with limitless possibilities to recreate, reshape and remake our destinies. So, let, let all of us seize this opportunity. And as my parents did, begin the urgent task of rebuilding Africa brick by brick. Let's give free reins to our ideas and imaginations as demonstrated at this third global 2017. Let's open our hearts and minds and, and exert our energy, intelligence and ingenuity and begin the urgent task of rebuilding Africa and of tra transforming this continent into a citadel of unrivaled prosperity and civilization. This is what I believe as a humanist, as an African humanist. Thank you. Anybody know what time it is? Oh my goodness. This can be a first. <laughs> there was one word that this gentleman used throughout his TED talk, and that was we. And the, the first thing he said is we are capable of changing the world. And the most important word in that sentence is we. Now, I'm not a big fan of labels. I know a lot of us. Uh, we, we've been exposed to labels at West Hill and uh, have seen um, how they can be misinterpreted by so many people. Um, he calls himself a humanist. I, I think the, there is one label that we all share, and that is that we are human no ist at the end. We, we are all humans and we all have a shared uh, responsibility for making this world a better place. Um, I, I'm going to ask, has, has anybody read Dan Brown's book called Origins? Somebody has? Okay. Don't tell me the ending. I just started reading it too. I started reading it yesterday and and I I thought it had some relevance to what we were talking about here this morning. Um, he one of his uh, one of the, the the guy that's the the, uh, the the book centers around is Robert Langdon. Um, and um, in this book, there is a section in it at the very beginning, because that's where I'm at, that talks about the, the fundamental reason that religion came into being. And it was to answer two fundamental questions. Where did we come from? And where are we going to? And I, I got thinking about that and thought to myself, there, there's a a really, really important piece missing in that. And the important piece is not the past, where we came from, and it's not the future, where we're going to. It's the present. It's why are we here right now? What is our purpose here right now? And great philosophers, far brighter than myself and any 
I was going to say anybody in this room, but I really don't know that for a fact. We might have some wonderful philosophers here in this room. Um, uh, I think one of the reasons that we are here is to do exactly what that gentleman was saying, and that was changing the world. We have a responsibility to leave this place better than it was when we came into it. So I would simply say thank you to everyone that was here this morning. Thank you for being part of a service that uh, Grady uses the word organic quite regularly. Normally it means something that is just growing and, and often it really means that we really didn't know what we were doing when we started this service, but it kind of came together. So I appreciate you coming here. I appreciate you spending the time on a Sunday morning with us. And I would invite you to leave this place in peace and to leave this place thinking about how you can leave this world a better place. Go in peace. We're going to watch our fine leaders, John and Don. We'll welcome out of the room with this last song. podcast from West Hill United Church located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate.